0: God, we ask that your, um, your spirit would continue the work that you're doing even now and the need that we have for our hearts to be resting in you, the, the need that we have, God, for our spirits to find their comfort in you and to come into this place, God, that we love to come and we love to be is a place, God, where I pray that we would just slow down for a bit. We would come under your glory, we would come under your majesty, we'd come under your word, we would come underneath the the way that you want to work in worship, that our offering of our hearts and lives would be something that would be a, a declaration each and every week of our faith and our confidence in you. And I ask that you would just continue to do the deep work that you're longing to do in our hearts and our lives. And I pray God, that you would continue to meet with us in this place, that you continue to reveal yourself and continue to um, just stir us up with faith and with joy and contentment in Christ. And so thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, your word and thank you for your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat and... uh, Just thankful for you this morning, and uh, just thankful for the times when we get to gather and reflect on all that God wants to do um, in and through our lives. And uh, I've got, before I jump into um, the passage in front of us, I just got a few updates um, for our church family and uh, just some things I've been thinking about. And uh, number one is um, just gratitude Um, gratitude for your generosity, specifically. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that um, God every year, you know, when you when you lead in the context of the church and, you, and you're and you asking for God's people to supply the needs of the church, it's just unbelievable to watch how God provides. And your generosity has blown us away year over year over year. My confidence and faith in God, in his provision and his timing and all those things has only grown. And um, I just want you guys to know that um, we ended uh, 2022 in a really phenomenally healthy place as a church, which means that our budget in need, we saw God exceed that. And then our spending, we saw God um, uh, help us to not um, go beyond that. And so when both of those things are going good financially, that's a good thing. And, um, and so uh, we're gonna share more details about that in our annual um, sort of family meeting that's coming up, I think the end of February or early March. And uh, in, the, in the midst of all of that, one of the things that our deacons and our staff have been uh, looking at is some areas in our church we just need to make some upgrades. And so some people have noticed that in that back room back there, um, which has kind of been our student ministry sort of multi-purpose room, we've needed to renovate that room um, to really accommodate, create an extra little room off of it and some storage space because um, like, there's a lot of kids coming to our church and uh, and we love that, and so we're trying to create more space. In addition, uh, student ministries has grown um, in some amazing ways over the last year, and they need some a more just kind of user friendly space for all that's going on on Sunday nights with student ministries and other nights. And so, um, in addition, we needed some upgrades with our whole sound system and in our church that we haven't really uh, done anything with since we launched. And so. Um, I want you guys to know, because of your generosity, our deacons, uh, under the leadership of our kind of financial team, were we're able to uh, move towards those things um, in an affordable way and in a way that that was just within budget and all of those things. And so I'm just thankful to the Lord for that, and I want you guys to know about those things. And I just am so thankful for the deacons and staff that are overseeing that project and love the team of leaders at our church. And so thankful for your generosity in that also. Second is... um, as many of you know, um, in the very beginning of September, we talked about how we're taking a season of time to sort of sharpen and process through the ministry vision and the leadership vision of our church. And, um, uh, and we, because to do that, we needed to intentionally kind of slow down in a number of areas to evaluate that and to process through that. And uh, over the last four months, what we've realized is, is that um, listening and processing carefully takes time. Right? Like some of you are like getting elbowed by a spouse. You're like, did you hear that? It takes time. And and that just and we want to lovingly walk alongside our people. And so we've had many meetings and conversations with leaders and staff and elders and people from the church. And uh, that is excruciating for a personality like mine, okay? But so good for my soul in leading and learning and Um, envisioning and processing through what God has for our church moving forward. I look at this room full of people. I'm just like, God, what do you want us to do? I want to make sure that we're hearing from you clear. Then we've got the space to process through that. And so um, we're excited with the clarity that God's bringing there. uh, Some more things that we feel like we've got to walk through and process. But um, into February, March, we're going to start rolling that out and communicating that clearly to our church. So if some of you are like, what's going on? We're like... um, I just want you to hear it's moving, God's at work, and I'm so excited to talk to you about those things. And the leadership team around me is like, yeah, I know, Brian, like three months ago you would have loved to talk about those things, but we got to work through some things. And I love the team around me and excited for that. Um, So now, just with that said, I just want to put that in front of you guys. Let's turn our attention to God's word. And we're in Matthew chapter 6. For those of you maybe newer to our church Uh, We've been in this Sermon on the Mount series and, um, you know, in this season of Processing Through Ministry Vision, what we did is, many of you um, got this and filled this out, we sent a survey to our church and we just wanted to hear about some different things about discipleship and uh, your perspective on things in our church has been so helpful and uh, one of the questions we asked was, what area of your discipleship needs to grow? One of the top responses was prayer, something around the category of prayer. Help me understand how to pray. Help me understand how to go deeper in prayer. I'd love to be trained in how to seek God in all of the ways that he calls us to in his word. And uh, God's clearly listening to us because he, he, he ordains our steps. And here we are today um, <clears throat> right at this topic in probably the most clear and compelling model for prayer in all of God's Word. There's so many different places that in God's Word it talks about prayer, but here in that little section where you guys probably in your Bible just like mine, it has that little heading, the Lord's Prayer. Familiar to so many of us, but sometimes foreign to the rhythm and routine of our life. And so um, I want to process through that. Let's read it first. We're in Matthew 6, 7 through 13. There it is, the, the, the Lord's Prayer, and, uh, and what our cry should be as we read this is not just like, that's great, Jesus, thanks for teaching them, but there should be something in our hearts that goes, Lord, teach us to pray, teach us to pray. Now, the Bible doesn't give you like one place to go where like, this is God's definition of prayer. As you read through the words, you see people just turning to prayer all the time. Some people calling for prayers. There's corporate prayer. There's people getting away to pray and seek God. And if I was to give you the most simple definition of prayer, it really simply is just people communicating with God. People communicating with God. And, and, and so, so Jesus starts by dealing with something right in verses 7 and 8 before he gets into sort of the model for prayer. And so what I want you to know what's happening there is when he says, do not heap up empty phrases, what he's doing is he's differentiating between what would have been common in that culture was praying to lots of different gods. So he's differentiating between that sort of prayer that the Gentiles would have done and what it means to pray and talk to the one true God. And what would the culture would have known and the way they responded to prayer to other gods was they believed that by, the, by, by a lot of talking, you could sort of prove that your request was really important. So if I pray long enough, I, God will hear me. And so, not just in the Gentile culture, but also in the Jewish culture, this was seeping in. Uh, Some of the Jewish writings spoke of men who would pray for nine hours a day. They thought that their wordiness, the number of words they spoke, could move the heart of God. And Jesus is clear here. He's like, the number of words doesn't move God's heart. Isn't this what God's been teaching us as we've walked through the Sermon on the Mount? Like, God as Father is... You don't have to do something to move God's heart towards you. You don't have to do something or say enough words to get his attention. He already sees you. He already loves you. He knows you and your needs. He sees you before you ever turn your attention to him. And that's our God. And that would have been shocking to the people because they thought that in their wordiness, they were earning favor from God opposite of the character of our God. So into this reality, Jesus addresses this and then he's like, you know, lovingly, let me just just give you a model for prayer. Let me teach you in this. Let me guide you in this. It's almost as if Jesus is like, pause. It's time for a prayer workshop. And like, I really, and a workshop is like, he didn't want this to be something that they just saw and thought about. He wanted it to be something that they could follow as a model. And you see this clearly in the passage. And so, um, the, the big idea that I want you to see what Jesus is doing is this. The Lord's Prayer, this is the big idea, the Lord's Prayer provides a primary model for a lifetime of prayer. He's like, he's like this move of, of communicating with God is a grace, is an opportunity, is, is beautiful, and, and we, I'm going to give you a model to sort of guide you in how to live a lifetime of prayer. Daniel Henderson in his ministry strategic renewal, which we've accessed his teaching a number of times, he highlights four models, four sort of, of um, sorry, four sort of moves in the model of what Jesus is teaching here. And we taught this to our church last year in sort of a um, sort of a prayer-worship Sunday morning. And um, then in our recent women's prayer gathering, they walked through the same four moves. And so I'm not going to try to chase something unique or try to, try to be new and fresh in this. What I want to do is I want to deepen our understanding of the moves of prayer that God calls us to. And, and I want it to be common language for our church as we talk about prayer. So here it is, pray then like this, those first words in verse 9. Let's talk about Christ's model for prayer that involves four moves. The first one is this, upward Reverence. Upward reverence. Matthew 6, 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first move in prayer is to get your eyes on God. To move your life and your perspective vertical in such a way that your eyes are fixed on God alone. you've you've begun to realize like I'm making a move to enter in, to talk to God and and the first reality in the environment of prayer is that first reality right there, our father in heaven, he is a loving father. Like Realize that's what Jesus is telling us. He's like the first reality that you should be perceiving in the environment of prayer is that God is your father. And like I said, his eyes are on you and he knows you. He knows your needs and his compassionate, long-suffering. Love is ready to meet you, to speak, to speak to you, to secure you, to draw you near. If you want to write just over that phrase right there, our Father in heaven, just write the word affection. Affection. There's something that captures us in that. There's something that draws us close. Then notice that it says, our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. This begins to designate as your eyes are vertical and upward that he is exalted and enthroned. That that there's something about his name that is distinct. Throughout the scriptures, you see revelation of the name of God. Here's a summary of some of them that might be familiar to you, many names of God in the Bible. It's not like God has all these individual names. Each name is revealing an aspect of his character. Look with me. Elohim, God is powerful. Jehovah, God is eternal. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Jehovah Rapha, God heals. Jehovah Nisi, God our banner over us. Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Jehovah Ra'ah. God our shepherd, Jehovah Sidkinnu, God our righteousness, Jehovah Shema, God is present. <laughs> These names represent his character. And when you enter in, there is first an affection of our Father in heaven. And then to, to understand that he is enthroned and then to consider the reality of hallowed be your name is because the hearers would have been attuned in their mind and their hearts to all of the aspects of God's character, character realities that never change. And, and God being holy and set apart, which you could write over the phrase here, is Authority. And in prayer, the first move that we must make is to enter into the environment of talking to our God, of even approaching our God in prayer and thinking affection plus authority leads to awe. The first move is a a worship posture. And as I was thinking about this, here's what I recognized. Um, Rushing, rushing through this move in prayer and I was thinking about it more broadly, that that rushing will always lessen the impact of reverence. You can write that down. It's an important principle in our world that's rushing and rushing and rushing and moving and moving and moving and the pace is so fast. Rushing always lessens the impact of reverence. It's hard to stir up reverence if you're moving too fast. For example, let me show you um, some beautiful nature pictures. Look at the screen. Was that awesome? That was amazing. Like, like we just we just we rushed through them. Now let's sit in one. Let's sit in one. If you if you sit in this moment, just, just a picture on the screen, you can probably like me start to imagine yourself walking along that beach. If you're like me, given the day today, you would be thinking about maybe a you know, mid-80s, kind of a cool breeze off of the ocean and the sound of the waves and maybe the, the water sort of starting to run sort of warmly under your feet and uh, looking at the sunset and being amazed by just the glory of creation and you can almost feel the, the warmth of that if you stop for a moment. People who rush miss the impact of beauty and majesty. It's the same thing in reverence before God. Turn your mind and your heart in prayer. The first move is to turn it upward. To orient yourself to the environment that you're in right from the start. Recognize you're approaching the throne of God and In the scriptures, God's glory literally fills the places where he's at. There's a presence that feels like a refuge and it hymns you in and it surrounds you and the glory of God is all-consuming. And then to know that on that throne of God in, 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 in unbelievable, indescribable glory is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who wants to rule over your life and in the affection of him as father and in the, in the beauty and the authority of him on the throne leaves you in awe. And you start to ascribe worth to him to whatever degree you know him and, and this grows over time as he reveals aspects of his character to you if you come to prayer rushing through life and you're exhausted as you enter into it, hard stop in this first move. Like slow down and breathe deeper. Not like the sort of Eastern mysticism, breathe deeper, where you're like hum and you're trying to like clear your mind. I'm talking about a breathe deeper that you get captured by the glory of God and just go, he is awesome. And begin to express that to him and, and, and fix your eyes on the God who says that he wants to like, show you mercy and grace and help you in time of need. And even if you enter into the, to the throne of God in prayer and, you're, and you enter in with joy and with lightness, still stop. Stop to, stop to let the beauty and majesty of God draw you deeper. To compel you more completely. To shine a light maybe on an area of your life that God wants to restore. See, this, this point in prayer, the, 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 the physical picture of this is what we encourage in worship all the time. It's standing with your hands raised before God. Not as a posture of like, look at me, Victory. But is the posture of a child. That's just like, my father is so amazing. He has authority and there's affection, and I'm in awe, and I'm just caught up in it. And in prayer, God wants to start us there. More time here. Don't rush. I had somebody tell me this week in a conversation with me someone who's just helping and walking alongside my life like we all need. And this. Um, friend said to me, he goes, you just need to take more time to stop and be in awe of what God is doing. And I was like, received. And uh, man, upward, this is the first move, upward reverence, here's the second one. A downward response, Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you've got yourself in this posture where you've entered into this environment of prayer and you're understanding the, the goodness and the greatness of God, Pretty quickly in in prayer, you start to recognize that the only right response to all, when you've arrived at that moment, the only right response for you is downward. Downward represents a, a yielding to God. Think about what the passage says. It's like, your kingdom come. Like, I'm yielding to the ways of the kingdom of God. As it's breaking into the world the kingdom of God is entering in through the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the church and the work of the gospel through the power of the spirit and when that that kingdom breaks in, it rearranges everything and so much of following Jesus is just being like, just rearrange it, rearrange it. I'm yielding to that in addition, it's yielding to the will of God. Your will be done and discernment from God's word, from God's spirit in the context of community. I'm discerning God's will and I'm yielding to it. Lots of yielding. Anybody. Right, church? Some of you have been following Jesus for years, decades. A lot of yielding, right? A lot of yielding and following Christ. Lots of open-handedness. This is the posture after our hands are we've stood and our hands are raised, the next posture is to, is to come to a place where we are seated and we're down and our hands are literally open before God. This is a physical picture of the heart posture that God wants for us in prayer. Where, where, where we're stopped, we're where stopping in, in the sort of, uh, the rushing to meet all the demands and the needs and the things that we're like, I need this God, I need this God, I need this God, and we just come to a place where we just stop and we just healed. We just yield. So some of you might remember the um, Mary and Martha in Luke chapter ten, right? Do you remember the story that Jesus gave, the sort of picture and 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 in this in this moment. Um, in, in Jesus' ministry, he enters the house of Mary and Martha and their sisters and, and um, Mary comes and sits at the feet of Jesus to listen and, and, and Martha is like, as the Bible says in that passage, she was distracted with much serving. And she complains that Mary's not helping. It's like a little sibling battle going on with Jesus in the room and Jesus responds like this, He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That's the lesson of this posture of prayer. Just stop and yield and listen to Jesus, to really hear him is to begin by yielding all of the things that you want, all of the demands, all of the passions, all the desires, and not even rushing to all the good things that, that, I, that I'm wanting for my life or for people in proximity to my life or, or all the things I could ask of Jesus that would be right. I'm just slowing down to consider the kingdom of God and God's will, and I'm opening my hands and I'm yielding. Just yielding. I want to open my hands in, in any space I want you to open your hands in any space in your life where God might want to lead. Some areas you've got so much tension and concern about and the first thing that I think our our loving Heavenly Father wants to do is he wants to put us in a posture where we're just like, God, do what you want. Can you get my heart uh, unattached from that thing? So what are some examples of things you need to yield? Your independence, your adequacies, Your qualifications, your pride, your desires, your dreams, your time, your treasures, your talents, your relationships, your emotions, the things that you think about, your relationships, your work, your spiritual life, sin, struggles, any area of your life. To, to really find joy and peace and victory in your relationship with God, for your, for your life to really flourish in the kingdom of God, we have to be a people that know how to yield consistently and regularly. Remain in a posture where your hands are open in prayer. And and, and listen, listen, this space in prayer, when you're here, um, I don't want to paint a picture like the move from, from like standing and being amazed by God to sort of sitting and your hands being open, that is if this is like this just almost ethereal, angelic sort of move where you're just like, I'm sitting, and now my hands are open to you, God. That move is a war zone, Church. This is the very place where, where um, our hearts are convicted by our own sin and darkness, where we wrestle and war and become aware of our passions and desires. Sometimes even the good things that we feel like God's calling us to do can be misordered or misprioritized. And we come in here with hands like this, and you know, some of you who know this, that in prayer in this moment is where your hands, by the power of God's spirit, are literally pried open. I have journal entries from the the, the moment between when God called me to ministry and when I finally was like, God, I yield. And there were five moments in that when I literally remember God like literally pulling my fingers one by one off of my life. And then again and again throughout my life in so many different ways, God wants to teach us to yield. This is the place where you're convicted by the fact that even after rightly acknowledging God, You still have a self and a flesh that is craving and desiring and wanting to impact your will. This is the place in prayer where the flesh is crucified, as the scriptures say. Some of us might just need to acknowledge that we're a bit more like Martha than we are Mary. We're moving too fast to try to serve Jesus when what you really need to do is stop and listen to Jesus. Learn to yield. Find victory by yielding. That's the second move. Here's the third move. Third move is inward requests. Matthew 6, 11 through 12. Look at it. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The church has done, um, uh, uh, predominantly their work on prayer has, uh, has sort of isolated this category and this move of requests. Some of you, your understanding of prayer and the practice of prayer has primarily been uh, you talking to God about the things that you want. And, um, and, and that's, not a, that's a starting point. I, I believe Jesus' model is wanting to make that a bit richer and a bit more proportional to the reality of who God is. But requests are a real thing. And Jesus here highlights two categories The first one he highlights is in daily bread. This is not meaning just the provision of food. This is a picture of necessary resources. The things you need for life and um, good things that God wants to provide and does in so many ways. And then second, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That's a picture of working through sin and its impact on relationships. So, so note, it's resources and relationships. In our request, we're asking God for, to fulfill the promise of provision for resources and the peace that comes, the peace that comes in relationships from those being restored through forgiveness and reconciliation. And, and if you guys, like if I, was, if I was to put on the screen all of the prayer requests that come in from all of you every week, I could create two columns and I could be like, resources and relationships. Like they're pretty much all in those two categories. And if you, if you walk through scripture, you see all of a sudden like the light bulbs go off. Like that's why God talks about those things so often. About his provision and about him, him making a way to, resp- um, to teach us about restoration in relationships. It's beautiful. And so so into this, what what God wants you to do now is after you've come to this place where you've moved downward and you've you've opened your hands in response to God and you've been like, I want to yield. Now the beautiful reality of God after those two moves of reverence and response is he now wants you to start sharing your requests with him. Now the move is I'm now having a conversation with God and God invites me. To share with him the things that are on my heart, particularly around the priorities of resources and relationships. And so that's sort of the next sort of physical picture of that. See, I, I want us, I want to remind us that God wants to hear your requests. There's something powerful about speaking your requests to God when you rightly have reverence for who he is, you come and your hands are open and yielding to him. He wants you to share those with him. He wants to work through that with you because he's your father. Like, like like parents, you know the um, you know the joys and the trials of parenting. In 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 navigating all the requests from your children, okay, right? Parents, some of you are like, I'm exhausted by the requests. Because when you have younger children, from the moment their eyes open, requests to the moment. Their eyes close. I swear there were moments while my kids were falling asleep, there were requests still coming out of their mouth. And you're navigating those all the time and wanting to be a, a good, loving parent, and, and sometimes it's just a lot of requests. And those, they seem to never end. And, and you know, as your kids get older, the, the tone of the requests change, and the type of request changes. And so, so many requests though from your kids, I was, I was laughing and thinking about this this week. They're like ridiculous and hilarious, aren't they? Let me give you a few examples just to, um, for your own amusement. Um, I asked our staff families to give me an example of a hilarious request they've received from their kids. One young daughter, she asks regularly for a baby goat, pig, horse, and baby sister. <laughs> Apparently, she's going to live on a farm someday. Um, in our family, uh, my oldest daughter, when she, was, when she was little, she was like two or three years old, she was losing an emotion, she was having a meltdown, and she says to my wife, she goes, I need a spanking. <laughs> so, so my wife was like, just like about like that, and she was just like, <gasps> and she was fine. I was like, I wish that worked for me. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. And um, then in another family, the boys asked mom to have another baby so they could have enough players to play Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And uh, here's the thing parents know. If you're, if, you're, if you're a good, loving parent, you know that if your kids come to you and they have a right sort of respect for you and a reverence in the right way, and a sense of the way that you've provided for them and even a gratitude and a thankfulness for the way that your name as father or mother has, has impacted their life. And if they come and they have a heart that is requesting something, but isn't their heart isn't attached to it, they're really open with it, but they want to process it with you. And then into that, they make a request, particularly if it's in the category of resources and relationships. Man you want to sit, you want to hear them, you want to process with them, and you want to provide in some way if it's a legitimate request. God is your heavenly Father. When you come with your right heart and perspective and approach, and when you come ready to yield but offer things to him and you have a confidence, he's like, just talk to me. Just, just, just share your request with me. Let's process through these things together before the Word of God and and through the work of the Spirit and and request as a child desiring to honor God and yield it to Him. Now, in the requests, avoid two extremes that play out because we get our heads up in places that I don't even know. We can go there to to process and to consider some theological realities, but honestly, sometimes they stunt our prayer life. So two extremes that can really get us sort of sideways in prayer. One is, I just stop praying because because my prayers don't have any influence over God's will. God's decided what he's going to do anyways. It's sort of this fatalistic perspective. Listen, hear me. I believe deeply in God being sovereign and all-knowing. There's so many scriptures I could take you to. I could also take you to scriptures where God's like, ask me, ask me. There's places in Scripture where it seems like the praying of God's people moves God's heart. And, I, and listen, I don't believe that it's the healthiest thing for our prayer life and even for our walk as a disciple to be like, you know what, I'm going to figure that out. I, I'm going I'm I'm to have all of those, those theological positions categorized perfectly because if I could do that, I would be God. And no one wants that. Like, God calls us to ask him. So as opposed to coming at God like someone who has taken some steps up to a place where we understand better than others, maybe we should come just as Jesus called us to as a child and just ask. In addition, the other extreme would be believing the answer depends on your fervency or the degree of faith in how you pray. Some churches believe this. They believe like, if something, if God doesn't provide for you in some way in regards to resources or relationship, there is a failure in your faith. Didn't Jesus just deal with that in verses 7 and 8? he deal with like, hey, if you just try to fill it with words as if you believe like the declaration of your faith is somehow going to win God's favor. That's not our God. We need to sit in between what can be two extremes that can stunt our prayer life and come rightly as a child of God and flood the throne of God with your requests. This is the third move for a reason because we learn to come in and realize and recognize who God is in reverence, to have a posture of yielding, and then to come into our requests. And what I would encourage you to do is as you ask Him for resources. Stop to listen and position your heart and mind in such a way that you're watching for the ways he might lead you to provision. Ask him for peace in relationships, but also listen and move uh, in the way God would want you to move. Ask for forgiveness for your sin and forgive others quickly. And loving God and loving others requires a constant flow of forgiveness. So sometimes in this place in prayer, God's just going to reinforce that to you again and again and again. Because God's forgiveness must be applied in prayer and then lived out in the power of God. This prayer move should involve us openly conversing with God about the things that we're wanting and needing and lay them out before God and communicate with him. And sometimes the beautiful thing that God does in this move of prayer is that because of those first two moves with reverence for God and my hands open and yielding, sometimes it changes my requests. Have you ever had that? Or you've come into a prayer time and you're like, I got some things I need to ask God about and process through. And you rightly walk through these first two sort of moves and you get, to the, you get to the request and you're like, I don't know if I want that anymore. And actually, my whole entire thing that I would even want has completely changed and shifted. That's the counsel of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of God's word. That's the power of what happens when we approach God and it's beautiful. Inward requests. That's the third move. The fourth move is this. Outward readiness. Matthew 6 verse 13. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So at this point we've, we've gotten to a place where in reverence we're entering in and then we're, um, we're downward in response with our hands open and yielding and then we're sitting and face to face conversing with our father who wants us to share our request with him. And now, in prayer, what God wants to do, the move here that Jesus is showing us as a model for prayer, this is the sort of physical posture of readiness. It's like, okay, now I've had some time with God and there's a purpose that God has for my life that I need to, out of prayer, through God continuing to walk with me and me even continuing to talk to God in this, what he wants me to do is he wants me to get ready to move forward into the purpose God has for me we miss this one. We miss this one. Because out of moves of times with God, he wants to prepare us to move outward, maybe as an ambassador to Christ, as a missionary, as a follower of Christ, to live into the purpose that God has for us and the varying roles that he rightly calls us to in scripture. And preparation is critical. God wants you to be ready. So we want to, we want to move into this last move of prayer um, purposefully, because I think in the evangelical church, we sometimes, in some places, um, we talk about awe and reverence really well. I think sometimes we talk about yielding and being open and surrender. I think we talk about request for sure in and around prayer. But I think that this one might be the weakest and sometimes the reason why we struggle. Because we're not battle ready. We're not bad already, not in light of the gospel. God has equipped us for our purpose and he wants in prayer for us to take hold of that by faith as we enter into the places that God would call us through his purpose. And I want us to learn how to pray to be equipped, to pray to be ready to engage in the battle. And so I'm gonna do this in this time as we close. When I, when I taught on prayer last January, I shared a prayer from the Valley of Vision. It's a book of Puritan prayers. And in that, honestly, I, the, the title of this prayer is Servant in Battle, and, and I just prayed it over us at the end. So what I wanna do now is I kinda of wanna kind of commentate through it to teach you a bit of how to pray prayers of readiness. So let's look at this together. And let's read through this. Here's the first sort of section. O Lord, I bless you that the issue of the battle between yourself and Satan has never been uncertain and will end in victory. Calvary, Jesus on the cross, broke the dragon's head and I contend with a vanquished foe who with all his subtlety and strength has already been overcome. When I feel the serpent at my heel, may I remember him whose heel was bruised, but who when bruised broke the devil's head. My soul with inward joy extols the mighty conqueror. Listen, in whatever way this might come, the first move of readiness is to say, Jesus already won. Amen? And, and I come in this place in prayer and with my heart yielded and asking his requests and now I'm going to step up and move into my life and I'm going to go, the things that are in front of me, Jesus has already given me victory of. And I just got to walk into that and take hold of the reality of this and be aware of the subtlety and strength of our enemy but realize that, that before the cross, he is a vanquished foe. And look at this next one. Heal me of any wounds received in the great conflict. If I have gathered defilement, if my faith has suffered damage, if my hope is less bright, if my love is not fervent, if some creature comfort occupies my heart, if my soul sinks under pressure of the fight. The picture here is an evaluation of your own heart, and there's some weaknesses in my armor. There's some places in the battle where I've taken a hit and 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 i need to secure that before god and i need to get the truth of the gospel over that area of my life and my heart and god i need you to minister to me in this and i need you to strengthen me in this because i'm going back into the fight i'm going back into the battle then this notice the tenderness of this oh god whose every promise is balm every touch life draw near to your weary warrior this is, this is in readiness. I'm praying for endurance. Refresh me that I may rise again to wage the strife and never tire until my enemy is trodden down. Give me such fellowship with you that I may defy Satan, unbelief, the flesh, the world with delight that comes not from creature and with a creature cannot mar. Now I'm just, I'm gonna walk in the confidence of who God is to me. And then this last part. Give me a draft of the eternal fountain that lies in your immutable, everlasting love and decree. And then watch this. It's a reaffirmation. It's a faith taking hold of Ephesians 6, armor of God. Then shall my hand never weaken, my feet never stumble, my sword never rest, my shield never rust, my helmet never shatter, my breastplate never fall, has my strength rests in the power of your that posture of prayer, that move of prayer is saying, I'm not rushing in and out of the reality of some of the earlier moves. I'm not rushing out on my own. I'm not making a move. I've sort of garnered enough momentum to sort of get me through the next day. No, it says I'm carrying the awareness that I have of God and the right position of my heart and the requests that have been laid out to God and I am moving ready into the areas of my life where God has called me. With an awareness of the victory of the gospel, with an awareness of the healing that the gospel wants to bring to my heart, with confidence in the God who will, in his power, give me the strength to endure on the most difficult days. Equipped the armor of God that he gives us through his work. Outward readiness, upward reverence, downward response, inward requests, and outward readiness. The Lord's prayer provides us a sweet and rich primary model for a lifetime of prayer, and I want to encourage you to practice it. Not as something to check off a list, you'll never capture the spirit of the moves of prayer that Jesus introduces us to here if you just are checking something off but to enter in purposefully to give space and time in your days to enter in in this way and to walk through these they'll become more familiar and more rich and you'll be drawn to them like never before and when you get in these moves of prayer you'll be like I just want to can I just stay here but readiness calls us into what God has for us in this life and we just want to be a people who communicate more freely to the God who loves us. Let's pray. God, I I'm amazed by your tenderness and your love. I am in awe of you. Your presence and your power, your affection and your authority. Thank you, God, for your love for us and your love for our church and your desire to move and to work through it God let us be a people whose hands are trained by by our vision of you that we would release our hands of things that we would yield in our hearts Father right now there's some things that I know in this room that you're wanting to you're calling people to yield, to lay down, to release, to find in you all the sufficiency that you promise. Father, And we have things we're asking you for, burdens that are heavy, burdens that we're striving as a church to bring before the throne of God. There are resource needs, there are relational needs, God, and we believe you're at work. Would we be listening to you and looking to see your provision and celebrating when you provide. And God, would you make us ready? Would you prepare us for what you have for us in the purpose even today? Would you help us to live into it, to listen to you carefully, to even remain in some of the things and the postures that we're trained by in prayer? And God, in that, I pray that you would stir our church up to pray and we'd follow this model and it would become a a model for a lifetime of prayer. And it would grow in depth and it would grow in goodness and you would be glorified and honored in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.